story tomorrow. And if you would like to have these stories to listen to at home, you can call the Bible in Living Sound at 1-800-634-0234. That's 1-800-634-0234. Now here's some more music before we have to say goodbye.
you're about to hear is so amazing that it's almost too good to be true. But it is true. In fact, the miracle of the resurrection is one of the most well-documented facts in history. Doubters have never been able to explain how else Jesus' body could have disappeared from the tomb. That's because it's kind of hard to explain away the earthquake and the angel who announced that Jesus was not there but had risen. It's just like a mystery story come to life. Good choice of words since that's exactly what Jesus did. Have you seen him with your very own eyes? No, but Jesus did appear to more than 300 people after he rose from the dead. Wow, that's a lot of eyewitnesses. Sounds amazing. It is amazing that Jesus came back from the dead, but it really did happen. All the stories in the Bible about Jesus are true. Well, tell me more of them. singing in a few minutes. Now let's get back to our continuing Bible story from the Bible in Living Sound. General, have you found that man? No, Your Majesty. He's nowhere to be found, sire. He's nowhere to be found, sire. He's flesh and blood, a man. He's got to be somewhere in the city, in the country, hidden in the hills, woods, caves, somewhere. Yes, Your Majesty. Yes, Your Majesty. Well, find him. Command every man, woman, and child in Israel to be on the lookout for him. Oh, they already are, sire. They think the man was a magician. They treat his message of doom with scorn and ridicule. So they're anxious to find and hang him to the nearest tree. Don't you dare hang him. I want him here, right here in front of me, exactly where he stood the other day. I... I personally will take care of him, do you understand? Yes, Your Majesty. Well, you'd better. Now get going. Intensify the search and find him. That's an order. Yes, sire. Long live the king. Long live the king. It's 
scribe, where's the queen? The shrine of Baal, your majesty. She and the priests offering sacrifices that Baal may be pacified and cause it to rain. Yes, well, they're not having much success. It's been over a year and not a cloud in the sky. Where's my prime minister? Oh, here, here I am, at his majesty's service. Obadiah, Obadiah, you're smart, intelligent. Hmm? You're also somewhat of a friend to the priests of the Israelite God, aren't you? I mean, uh, the old Israelite God. I, uh, I am acquainted with a few of them, yes, sir. Well, what do you think? What do I think, sir? About the man who appeared, denounced Israel for apostasy, gave his message of impending judgment and disappeared. Well, I think uh, he was real, sir. He was actually here. Of course he was. I saw and heard him myself. But who do you think he was or is? Well, at first, I thought he was a prophet of God. I saw no other alternative. But since then, I've talked to some of the prophets and described the man to, to them. None of them recognize him. They haven't the slightest idea who he is. Well, where do you think he is? Hiding somewhere, Your Majesty. Are you sure you don't know where? No. <laughs> After all, Obadiah, you are the only member of my court who refuses to worship Baal. Uh -huh. You still worship the old God of Israel, the same one Moses, Abraham, the rest of them did. If you weren't such a good prime minister, I'd have been rid of you long ago. I understand, Your Majesty. Obadiah, it just occurred to me, you could be responsible for that man's sudden appearance and disappearance. Huh? Perhaps you are even hiding him right here in the palace oh. in your quarters. Oh, no, no, I was just as surprised as you were, sire, at his sudden appearance, and I'm just as ignorant as to his present whereabouts. <sighs> ah, I believe you, I have to. You've never lied to me yet. Oh, well, I... I guess I'd better get over to the Shrine of Baal and tell the Queen that the man hasn't been found. What's going on here? I want to talk to you now. We'll disturb the priests at their daily prayers. Prayers? You call what they're doing prayer? But no mind, just come. I'll talk to you in one of the side chambers. This man can't be found. Idiots, all of you. Or he would never have gotten out of the palace in the first place. Idiots? I suppose those priests out there going through those wild incantations are intelligent beings? And Baal himself. What about him? If he's so intelligent and powerful, why doesn't he have it rain? No, you don't understand. I don't understand is right. Baal is angry and his anger So has... am I angry, disgusted, mad. But Baal is a god. His anger has to be appeased. So does mine. I am king. So you're a king, are you? Well, then find that man and have him punished. That will appease Baal and he will cause it to rain. Then shall all Israel know that Baal is the true god and they will fall down and worship him. You're Baal's chief priestess. You get Baal to cause rain. Then even if that man isn't found and punished, I shall officially proclaim Baal as Israel's god and command that all people worship and obey him. What do you think they are doing, those priests in there? Going through those ceremonies for the fun of it? <laughs> They offer costly sacrifices. They call upon Baal night and day to refresh the earth with rain. Their zeal and perseverance is a thing of beauty and worthy of bringing glory to the name of Baal. Words, words. Why doesn't it rain? And where is that man? Where is he? That's what I want to know. So does everyone else.
When Elijah the Tishbite, at the command of God, had left his home among the mountains of Gilead, he approached Samaria, within whose walls reposed the beautiful palace of King Ahab. Strong faith in the unfailing power of God's word gave Elijah confidence, even though the message he was about to deliver to the king was one of impending doom and disaster, and would undoubtedly arouse the king's anger. He had passed through a gate of Samaria unchallenged and unseen by the guards. At the palace, he had solicited no admission, nor waited to be formally announced. Clad in the coarse garments worn by the prophets of that time, he passed the guards unnoticed and stood a moment before the astonished king and, lifting his hand toward heaven, had solemnly delivered his warning message. Then turning, he had left the palace and Samaria the way he had entered. Beautiful are God's works, unlimited space, unnumbered stars, the things of this earth made especially for man's pleasure, the babbling ever-flowing brooks, the rocks and hills, the green grass and stately trees. O oh God, God of love and mercy, have compassion upon Israel in her apostasy, that these things of nature may continue to be a blessing unto mankind. Cause Israel, O God, to repent and turn from apostasy and worship Thee in truth, in love, in word, and in deed. Get thee hence, Elijah, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself from the king by the brook Kirith that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook and I commanded ravens to feed thee there. So Elijah did as the Lord commanded. The ravens brought him bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the cool waters of the brook Kirith, and the king's soldiers found him not.
you all for being on time for this week's Kids Bible Club. As you remember, I asked you to choose a favorite Bible text to memorize and share with the group and tell me why you like that particular passage. Rhiannon, how about you? I see you've got your finger on a text. It's not a very big one. Well, that's okay. In Scripture, every word counts. Well, all right. My favorite text is John eleven thirty-five. It says, Jesus wept. Uh, no wonder she chose that one. Just two words. That's not why I chose it. Okay, okay. Don't get upset, Rhiannon. I'm sure Henry and the rest of us would like to know why that particular text is important to you. It's just that sometimes I cry too. Like when my daddy died, I cried all the time. I couldn't stop. I just kept thinking about him and thinking about him, and it made me so lonely. People would come to the house and try to cheer me up, but I kept being sad. Then I remembered what you said in church about how we're supposed to find comfort in the Bible. Well, I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know where to look. So I just started reading, and I found this story about when Jesus' friend, Lazarus, died and Jesus went to visit Lazarus's sisters. And when he saw them crying, he started crying too. He just cried. Jesus wept. I guess I needed someone to cry with me for a while. That's why the text is my favorite. When I read it, I know that Jesus understands what I'm going through. He really, really understands. Jesus wants to be our friend. He has placed in our hearts a desire to share our deepest secrets and brightest hopes with Him. This program was brought to you by the Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. Do you ever feel left out like your friends want to be with someone else instead of you? What if you really needed those friends to help you solve a mystery? Chris and Maria discover an old safe in their grandparents' basement, but no one knows the combination. Who gave the money to build the cross above Mill Valley? Chris and Maria think the answer is inside the old safe. As they follow the clues, Chris learns some important lessons about friendship and jealousy and about being a Christian. Chapter 7, Trail to Mill Valley Cross The teller's big brown van pulled to a stop about two miles outside of Mill Valley near a sign that said Trail to Mill Valley Cross. The shoebox kids piled out into the parking lot. Mr. Shoe gathered everyone together before the hike and asked Jesus for protection and thanked him for the beauty of nature. The hike to the cross takes about an hour, he told the group, but we're in no hurry, so let's stick together and enjoy the walk. It's been a long time since I was on this trail, Chris said. Isn't it just a long dirt trail to the top? That could be tough for you, Willie. Willie's eyes twinkled. Wait until you see this. He led the group around the van so they could see a long paved ramp leading down the hill toward the trail marker. Wow, Chris exclaimed. When did they do that? Willie popped his chair back on two wheels and laughed. The city just finished it last week, and from the bottom there, a paved trail leads all the way up to the cross on the hill. Mr. Shue read about it in the paper. That's why we came here today. Wow, Sammy Tan said, we're going to have to bring our bikes here this summer. It's pretty neat if you ask me, Willie said. It's great, Jenny added. 
Willie turned around and headed toward the ramp. Let's go. I'll race you to the trail marker. Don't we have to wait for Mr. Shoe? Jenny asked, but it was too late. Before anyone could even move, Willie started down the ramp. He turned to give everyone a quick grin before twisting his head back to see what he was doing. Suddenly, his left hand slipped and the wheelchair swung to the right. Then the right wheel slid off the ramp. He's going to crash, Didi yelled. Willie managed to get both wheels on the ramp again, but by now he was going way too fast. For a second, everyone just stood there and stared. Then Maria grabbed Chris's arm and yanked him forward as she started skipping sideways down the hill. Come on, we'll cut him off. Chris almost tripped, but he managed to stay on his feet, moving downhill as fast as he could go without falling. Sammy, Jenny, and Dee Dee were right behind. Hang on, Willie, Dee Dee shouted. Willie's eyes were as big as Mrs. Shoe's sugar cookies as he raced down the ramp. It took all his skill as a driver to keep his wheelchair on the ramp and keep it from flipping over. Ryan didn't even try skipping sideways down the steep hill. He ran straight down and started going faster and faster and faster. Before he could do anything about it, his head and shoulders were going faster than his feet could go. Ryan looks like he's going to fly, Maria shouted to Chris. Chris leaped over a bush. If he does, he won't stay up very long. At least Ryan is getting down the hill faster than anyone else. In about two seconds, Chris realized, Ryan is going to hit the ramp right behind Willie's speeding wheelchair. If anyone could stop Willie, it would have to be Ryan. Suddenly, Ryan's feet hit the ramp. As he started to tumble over, he grabbed the handles on Willie's chair and hung on. Slow me down, Ryan, Willie yelled. Amazingly, Ryan held on as the chair dragged him. A few seconds later, Chris and Maria were close enough to grab onto Willie's wheelchair and pull it to a stop. Wow, Dee Dee said as she arrived. I thought you were a goner, Willie. Willie ran an arm across his forehead. So did I, Dee Dee. Thanks to Ryan, I didn't have to try going around that last corner. I wouldn't have made it. After shouting back to the adults that everyone was okay, the shoebox kids walked slowly on down to the corner by the trail marker. You're right, Chris said to Willie. You never would have made it. He turned to Ryan. You were great. The way you blasted down that hill to catch Willie, I thought you were going to fly. Yeah, thanks, Ryan, Willie added. There would have been an awful crash if you hadn't stopped me in time. Ryan had a sheepish look on his face. I, I really didn't do much. Sure you did, Dee Dee said. You saved Willie's life. Ah, don't be so dramatic. I just got going so fast I couldn't stop until I got to the ramp, Ryan explained. I honestly... Save it, Chris said, winking at Ryan. You did a great job. Don't try to pretend you didn't. I'm sure Ryan grabbed Willie's chair so he wouldn't fall over. I guess no one else noticed that, but he was running down the hill to help Willie just like the rest of us. When the grown-ups got to the bottom of the hill, Mr. Shoe studied the shoebox kids through narrow eyes. Are you all right, Willie? Yes, sir, Willie answered. Good, that's very good. But Mr. Shoe didn't lose the troubled look. Next time, it might be wise to come down the hill a bit more slowly. Yes, Mr. Shoe, we will, the shoebox kids replied in unison. Maria gave Chris a sharp nudge in the side. Then she leaned over and whispered into his ear. Chris cleared his throat. Um, can we go on ahead of the rest of the group, Chris asked. Mr. Shoe rubbed his chin for a moment. He usually rubbed his chin before he answered a can we question. If you don't get too far ahead, he said, when you get to the cross, wait for the rest of us slow people, okay? Chris and Maria waited until they were out of sight of the grown-ups before calling the shoebox kids together to tell them about the mystery. Everyone gathered around Willie and kept walking. We have another mystery to solve, Chris said secretively. Maria and I decided we needed your help to solve it. 
Great, Jenny said. Then she frowned. It's not someone's pet disappearing again, is it? No, not that, Chris answered. As everyone gathered, Chris noticed that Ryan was pushing Willie's wheelchair. Willie never lets anyone push his wheelchair, and Dee Dee is walking right beside Ryan like he's her best friend. Suddenly, he was jealous of Ryan. Maria got tired of waiting for Chris to explain the mystery. When we were playing down in Grandma and Grandpa's basement, we found an old safe that belonged to our great-grandpa Archer. It hasn't been opened for years because no one knows what the combination is. Grandma said we could open it if we found it. Chris finally spoke up, and Maria thinks we might be able to prove that great-grandpa Archer is the one who donated the money for the cross up here. That sounds interesting, Dee Dee said. Doesn't it, Ryan? Yeah, it does, Ryan said. Hey, maybe there's some evidence in the safe that proves your great-grandpa really did donate the cross. That's what Maria and I thought, Chris agreed. Willie frowned. Do you know where to look? I mean, the combination could be anywhere. That's the whole point of solving the mystery, Chris sighed. Right, Willie said. I forgot. Hey, Ryan said suddenly. Let's hurry and get to the cross. Okay, Willie said. Let's go. Chris started to run with everybody else when he felt a sharp pain in his foot. Ouch, he cried as he stopped. Everyone else kept going as he untied his shoe. I must have gotten a rock in my shoe when I was coming down the side of that hill. It sure hurts. Sitting down beside the trail, he took off his shoe and emptied a small rock out onto the trail. When Chris finally got to the cross, where everyone was supposed to meet, he caught a glimpse of Dee Dee's yellow jacket disappearing around the next corner. Hey, wait up, guys, he yelled. He ran around the same corner. Hey, guys? He choked on his words. He was all alone. He stopped in his tracks and frowned. Where had everyone gone? The story you have heard today is a chapter of The Shoebox Kids, book four, The Missing Combination Mystery, written by Eric Stoffel, edited and created by Jerry D. Thomas, and used with permission from the Pacific Press Publishing Association. If you're interested in any other books published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Let the children come. Don't dare drive them away. Kingdom comes. Hear the holy, foolish things they say. The springtime of their life decides the adults they'll become. So let the children come. Please let the children come. Children's Bible Journey was brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio and is a production of Lifetalk Radio at lifetalk.net.